Hello, everyone. So I'm going to share my story with you. Um, I got so much great review from um, my story of abuse. And um, I've gotten a lot of questions about my mom and what happened. And uh, a lot of times I just call back and tell you uh, personally. But I felt that it would be nice to just do a podcast about it so that you guys all would know uh, what happened with my mom and why it's been so difficult for me to handle it. So um, I'm an only child. And so me and my mom have always been very, very close. Um, and when my dad passed away when I was 15, um, I, I really leaned on her even more. So um, her and I did everything together. As a matter of fact, uh, she used to go places with my friends because I would make her. Um, as a teenager, me and my friends would go to the movies and I would be like, Mom, come on. <laughs> I was that kid. Uh, my mom went everywhere with me, did everything with me. She was my best friend. Um, you know, it's just, it was a really great relationship that we had and, uh, we had a lot of fun and all of my, my friends called her mom. Um, they all called her mom because she was always with us and they all loved her. And, um, you know, she was just part of my group, you know, everywhere I went, she went. And, um, of course, sometimes she wouldn't go cause she'd be like, no, that's weird. But, um, you know, she was a really great mom. And I have to say, you know, I hope that I'm half the mom that my mom was to me. Um, I never felt like sneaking out. I never felt like lying to her. Um, because, you know, she always used this guilt trip. And I don't know if it's going to work on my kids, but <laughs> it worked on me. Let's say that my friends asked me to go to a party when I was a teenager. And I would say, I would ask my mom, hey, mom, you know, my friend Stacy's throwing a party. Can I go? And instead of saying no or yes, this is what she would say. And it worked, at least for me. Sheena, sometimes these parties don't always turn out the way they seem. So I'm going to let you talk to God about this. Ask God about it. And in, in your gut, if you feel that it's a bad party, if you feel any, you know, um, she would say, if you get any flutters in your stomach, don't go. Because that means it's going to be bad. And she's like, but if you feel safe about it and you feel that it's going to be okay, then I trust you enough to go. And did you know that every time that I got those flutters in my stomach, I wouldn't go and something would end up happening at a party? I have a story to tell you. So one time, uh, my friends came over and they wanted to go mud bogging. So those of you guys from the country, you might know what this is. But if you're not from the country, mud bogging is where you go into a big truck and you go out in the swamp. And you get in the muddiest, swampiest, nastiest, waterest you know, mud that you can find. And you get in your truck and you just go spinning out. Okay. And all the mud goes flying and you get dirty and it's fun. Okay. It's so fun. So my friends wanted to go mud bogging. And it was my friend. It was a, it was a guy. His name was Mike. And we had a group of friends that were going to go. And they came to pick me up at my house. And I had a weird feeling. And, you know, I really wanted to go. And so I was trying to fight the feeling. And I talked, I was talking to my mom and I was like, mom, I really want to go, but I got this really weird feeling. And she was like, Sheena, don't go. She was like, if you need me to go out there and talk to your friends and tell them that you can't go, then I will. But don't go if you have a weird feeling. And I said, well, I really do, but I want to go. And um, so my mom went out there and she's like, hey guys, you know what? I'm not allowing Sheena to go. Um, you're going to have to go without her. And she kind of took the bunt of it so I wouldn't look bad in front of my friends. Well, that evening, um, it was two guys and one girl, my friend Jody, and then it would have been me. 
well, they got in an accident, um, a really bad accident before they even got to the mud bogging place. The car rolled. My friend Jody was not buckled and she got thrown out of the car. She had 31 stitches in her head. Um, it was bad. She had a huge concussion, had to be in the hospital for like two weeks. It was, it was bad. And, uh, I had to thank God for giving me that feeling. I thank God that all my friends were safe. They got pretty beat up, but I mean, all, none of them died. Thank goodness. But that could have been me and I could have died, you know? And so I have to thank my mom for giving me that uh, ability to be able to kind of discern the good from the bad. And she gave me that ability to be able to just say, Sheena, I trust you enough that you're going to go with your gut. And I did. And I never got into those bad situations. How amazing is that for a teenager to say? Now, that's not to say I didn't do things that were stupid. I did a lot of stupid things. I think we've all been there. But um, I was a pretty good kid, um, to say the least. You know, I didn't really do anything. I liked boys, you know, not the bad part of it. But I mean, like I went out and dates and dated and, um, you know, I, I did like boys. That was probably my biggest my biggest thing is I liked dating and I liked having boyfriends and uh, going out. But anyway, so needless to say, my mom, you know, was a very understanding, loving friend to me. And uh, she always guided me. She was my spiritual leader. Um, and anytime I had a problem, we would go to prayer. We would sit on the couch sometimes until two and three in the morning and just pray when I had an issue. And um, it would get resolved. It was amazing. Um, I can't tell you how many times that my mom and I would pray until like two in the morning. And then a week later, the issue that I had would just disappear. That person would move away or um, the parents would take them out of school if it was something like bullying or, I mean, it was just crazy how God worked in my life. And um, my mom was always my, my spiritual guide, guidance, you know, and kind of helped me discern and, and know when to, when to go, when to not go. So, um, when I had kids, of course, you know, she was very involved in my kid's life and I'm so grateful that they got to know her the way that they did. Um, because she was still a lot of that spirituality into them. And even, um, when she passed, uh, my youngest daughter, who she pretty much raised because I had to go back to work and I'll tell you that story. But, um, she told me, she said, mama, I'm not sad. Nana wanted to meet Jesus. Nana couldn't wait to meet Jesus. And I says, I know baby, you know, and she's like, I'm sad that she's gone, but I know that she's in heaven and she's so happy. And I'm thinking, God, she sounds just like my mom. Like that's exactly what my mom would have said. Um, so leading up to the day, um, or I'll go backwards, I guess. So my mom uh, was my full-time babysitter. When I had Kira, she was my firstborn. Uh, my husband was working at a gator park, and he was working full-time, and we were making pretty good money that I was able to stay home with, with my youngest, I mean, my oldest, Kira. So she was my first. Then I got pregnant um, again, and around that time, that was with Sasha, uh, my husband lost that job. And so we had to have a place that we can afford um, on unemployment. Um, long story short, we found a place which is the area that we live in now. Um, and that'd be a different story for a different day. But um, because the rent was higher and um, I had to go back to work after I had Sasha. And so in able, be, being able to do that, I had to ask my mom to come babysit because we didn't have enough money to pay for a daycare because we, she's going to be watching two kids now. Um, Kira was three when Sasha was born. So baby, baby Sasha was my mom's baby. I mean, she raised her from an infant 
until what is she now seven so i mean my mom and her had this bond that i can't even tell you and actually sasha would want to spend time with my mom and not want to come home. She would go over there for the weekends and be like, mommy, can I just stay? And I'd be like, you have school. But she literally would stay there for weeks on end and not come home. She loved my mom that much. So that was really hard on her. When baby Dominic was born, he was our little boy. And uh, we were so excited because I didn't think I could have a boy. Um, just because of what doctors had told me in the past. I had had two miscarriages and that's a different story for a different day. Um, so baby Dominic was born and we were so excited. Um, and my mom was so excited to be a, a grandma again, a Nana again. And so we spent a lot of time together. And of course, again, she was babysitting. So, um, uh, when Dominic was six months old or maybe three months old, I had to go back to work. And, um, so she babysat for Dominic and then picked up the girls from school every day. So she was at my house three times a week. Um, Every day, I mean, she was here, I would see her. A lot of times it would be in a rush, you know, how it is when you're working. So she would come in, everybody would be like, Nana! And we'd all like run and hug her and kiss her. I'd serve her her coffee, I'd give her a kiss, and usually I'd run out. So we didn't really get a lot of time in the last couple of years to really just spend time together because I was always running, I was always working. Um, you know, so that's really tough. Um, I noticed that she was getting really tired all the time, but... I felt that way too because I have three kids and four dogs. Well, I had three dogs. My mom would always bring her dog, so that's a fourth dog. So four dogs in the house, three kids. I mean, it is so exhausting, and my mom was in her late 60s, so of course she's exhausted, and I kind of like just thought that way. I'm like, well, I'm exhausted. She's got to be exhausted because when I would get in, and I don't know how she did this. Like, I really don't. My house would be like immaculate, and I can barely even get done with the dishes or the laundry by the time my husband gets home. And I don't know how my mom did it, but she would have my kitchen spotless. The floors would be clean. I mean, I would come in and the house looked like I hired a house cleaner and she would still be playing with the, the kids and everything. And I don't know. She was like superwoman. I wish that I knew how she did what she did because when I would come in, it was like a breath of fresh air because my house would be clean. Now she would be exhausted. She'd usually be laying on the couch when I got in and, you know, eyes half open and like, Oh, you're home. Okay. I got to go. And then we would kiss each other and she would go home. Um, so that's kind of how that happened all the time. So anyway, on the day, um, the day before, which was a Sunday. Yes, it was a Sunday because we had my daughter's birthday party. So Kira had just turned 10 and we had her birthday party at the monster truck place where my husband works. Um, really exciting day. All the family came out, went on a monster truck ride. Johnny was able to drive for them. Really fun birthday party. It was really fun. And my mom came. Um, and it was really cold that day. Like for Florida, it was freezing. It was like 50 degrees and the wind was blowing and everybody was bundled up and we were all really cold. So my mom was kind of huddled in the corner, kind of quiet. And my mom and I are very similar with our personalities. Like I get my personality from her. And actually a lot of times when I was a teenager, she would get on the phone with my friends and pretend to be me to find out what I'd been doing. Not that I'd ever done anything wrong, but you know what I mean. And it was funny because she used to trick my friends all the time. We sound exactly like... And we talk very similar. So me and my mom are, are kind of similar in that sense. So she was like really kind of shut off from everybody. And I, and I noticed it. But again, I just kind of took it as, oh, it's really cold. You know, it's really cold today. So I would go over and talk to her for a few minutes. And then I would host the party. 
you know, and I remember saying, mom, I'm so glad that you're here. And she's like, you didn't think I was going to make it, did you? Cause she's really bad with directions. And I was like, no, I didn't. I'm so glad that you're here. And I would kiss her. Um, and then again, like I said, I would, there was a lot of people. So I would just kind of like mingle and stuff and she would do her thing. So, um, and I, I remember asking her at one point, I was like, mom, are you okay? And she put her hand on her heart and she says, I'm having really bad heartburn and I've been having it since last night. And I said, oh, that's not good. And, um, and she said, yeah, I can't seem to get rid of it. And, um, one of my aunts told her to drink some ginger ale. So she went into the store and bought some ginger ale. Um, and then everybody went on the monster truck ride and she took Dominic, my baby Dominic, he was one at that time. Um, she took my baby boy and everybody else went on the ride. Well, I stayed behind so that I could clean up the mess that everybody made. So I didn't go on the monster truck ride. And in case anybody else showed up late, I would be there to greet them. So I stayed back. Well, I ended up throwing out her ginger ale because uh, I was cleaning up everything. So I remember when she got off the truck, she said, oh, where's my ginger ale? And I said, oh, my gosh, I threw it away. I was like, but I'll buy you another one. And she's like, no, it's fine. I just really needed it because, you know, I felt like it was making me feel better. So um, I was like, oh, no, I'm sorry. And then she was like, Sheena, I'm going to just go home. I hope you don't mind. I'm just really not feeling well. And I said, yeah, mom, that's fine. I was like, you know, thank you for coming. And she dropped off Kira's present and we kissed and. I walked her to the car and she left. And then, you know, I kept going on with the party and, uh, you know, didn't really think anything of it. Cause again, my mom is all full of life and, you know, she's my mom and she's never really been sickly and doesn't really have to go to the doctor for any reason. And, um, really no reason to be alarmed other than, you know, oh, she has heartburn, but that happens. Right. So the next day I call my mom like normal driving to work on Monday and, um, called her up. My husband's off on Monday, so she didn't have to babysit. So, um, I'm calling her, I'm driving to work and I'm like, Hey mom, how you doing? And I always called her when I got in the car. It was something she restilled in me when I was like 16 and I first got my license. She would say, Sheena, no matter where you go, always call me. So I know where you're going in case anything happens, I'll know where you are. And so I always did. I always did. It was such a habit of mine. And, and even now I find myself picking up the phone to call her and that, you know, sets me off because I can't call her anymore. So I call her when I get in the car and I'm just chatting with her and I says, mom, are you okay? You don't sound right. And she says, Sheena, I still have this really bad heartburn. And I said, mom, that's not normal. You need to go to the doctor. And she says, yeah, I actually made an appointment. My appointment's not until one today. And I said, okay. And I said, well, let me know if you need me to come with you or anything. And she's like, oh, thank you, honey. No, I'm fine. And I was like, okay. And I was like, well, keep me posted because I want to know what's going on. And she did. So I hang up the phone and I'm texting her throughout the day and we're just talking like normal. You know, she's saying I'm going to be meeting with this doctor and blah, blah, blah. Um, and then my phone dies. Okay. So my phone dies and I don't hear from her again. And I know in my mind, I'm like, okay, I'm kind of worried. And I actually told my boss, I kind of gave her a heads up. I was like, Hey, my mom's um, going to the doctor's office. I'm going to be on an alert. You know, I may need to leave early. And my boss was like, that's fine. Well, I ended up just kind of going with my gut and leaving early because I was like, you know what? I don't feel right. I'm just going to go ahead and leave early. I think I left at like three instead of five. So I left at three. I get in my car. I put my car on charge um, and I turn on my phone. And all of a sudden I get all these messages, these voicemails. And I was like, what is this? So I listen to the voicemails and it is her nurse from the doctor's office. And the nurse says this. She says, Sheena, hi, this is the nurse from um, Dr. Clark's office. Don't want you to be alarmed, but just letting you know that we are taking your mom to the hospital because we saw some um, influctuations in her heart. 
Um, she doesn't want you to worry. And this is just a precaution. This is what she said. This is just a precaution. So please don't be alarmed. But we do want you to know that she is going to the hospital and would like for you um, to meet her there or whatever. So then I'm like, oh, my God, this is serious. And then I get, you know, my text message start coming in. And my mom says, hey, I'm in the ambulance. It's an emergency, but I am okay. Don't come until they call you. That's what she says on my text. And I'm like, okay. So I'm kind of freaking out. I'm like, okay, I got to get home. So I get home. I change my clothes. I pack a bag, um, like a lunch bag and like an overnight bag because I figure, okay, she's probably going to be in the hospital overnight, whatever's going on. I'm thinking maybe high blood pressure or something. Um, cause again, my mom is very healthy. You know, she ate good. She exercised, doesn't smoke, doesn't drink. I mean, healthy as a horse. So I get my stuff and I tell Johnny, I'm like, Hey, I'm probably going to go ahead and spend the night over there. I get my pillow and everything. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No problem. He's got the kids. I get in the car and I'm driving to the hospital. So I'm driving and I'm driving and the hospital is about an hour away. So an hour drive I'm driving and I'm thinking like, oh my gosh, I'm calling my mom and it's just going to voicemail, but she's still texting me. Okay. So the last text I get, I said, um, mom, I'm on my way. Where are you? Cause I meant for her to tell me what room she was in and she texts me back. This is the last text I got. It was like around four. I want to say like four fifteen or something. She says, um, Leesburg. That's all she puts, Leesburg, which is wh where she was going. And so I'm like, all right, I'm just, I'm just headed to the Leesburg hospital. Um, around four, I want to say it was around 440. Okay. I'm still driving. All of a sudden I get this wave of just pure panic, pure panic. Like it was the crazy, <laughs> I'm sorry. It was the craziest thing because I just, I'm driving and I just start screaming no as loud as I could. No, 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 like that. Okay. I have no idea why I'm screaming this because I'm like on my way and I'm freaking out and I'm driving and I'm like, Sheena, you got to calm yourself down. What the heck is wrong with you? And I'm just screaming no, like that. I don't know why. And I'm crying. And I call my best friend, Amanda, and it goes straight to voicemail. And this is how I know what time it was. So it was kind of like a timestamp for me. I think it was around 4.40. I'm screaming. I'm yelling. And I'm like, Amanda, you got to pray. You got to pray. I don't know what's wrong with my mom. I just, I feel like something's happening. Please pray. And I hang up the phone. And I get to the hospital. And I walk in. And it, it was like so weird. Because as soon as I walk into the waiting room of the emergency room, over the loudspeaker says, Sheena Matos, please come to room blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, that was weird. Um, so I walk in, didn't even sign in or anything, didn't even, you know, walk in. Like I, I was not even there yet. I just would, had walked in with my stuff. And so I go into the waiting room or into the room that they called me in and I'm waiting there. And then there's a nurse there. And I was like, um, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm actually not a patient. I'm here to see my mom. And they're like, um, you're Sheena Matos. And I said, yes. And he said, yeah, hold on. The doctor wants to speak to you. I immediately started texting Johnny. I said, Johnny, something's wrong. Um, they called me into a room and says the doctor want to speak to me and Johnny texts me back and he says, honey, it's probably fine. They probably are just going to tell you what's, you know, going on with your mom. Don't want you to be alarmed. And I was like, okay. So I'm like trying to talk myself down. Like, okay, I'm, I'm okay. My mom's fine. I'm okay. I have my sleep bag, you know, my pillow, my lunch bag. Like I'm totally ready to spend the night at the hospital. And so the, the nurse escorts me back into the doctor's office, way back in the back in the doctor's office. So I sit down. And the doctor comes up to me, holds both of my hands. I'm standing up. And he says, your mom didn't make it. 
just comes out with like that. And I said, what? And he says, she came in and uh, in the ambulance, she had a massive heart attack. When she came in, I was trying to resuscitate her. She was already gone. Um, I did get her back for a few seconds, but then she was gone. I hit the floor. It was like all of my energy, everything just fell out of me. Like I could not stand. I literally, all my stuff, everything just hit the floor. I felt like it was a movie. And um, I just sat there with my head in my knees thinking, this is not real. This, this is not real. Like this can't be happening. Um, I just spoke to her. She's fine. Like this can't be happening. And then I said, well, what time? And he said around 440. And I said, oh my God, that's when, I mean, in my mind, I'm like, this is when I started freaking out in the car. Like, did I feel her spirit leave? Did I feel her leave this earth? Like I was yelling no, because I didn't want her to leave me. Like how, how did this happen? So then I thought to myself, no, 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 no. They have the wrong person. This, this is a mistake, right? I mean, my mom's fine. So I was like, I need to see her. And the nurse was like, no, you need to take some time. And I was like, no, 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 I need to see her because I'm like, this isn't my mom. They're going to bring me to the room and it's going to be someone completely different and my mom would be fine. So I, she says, well, you know, get your stuff and everything. So I go into the bathroom and I collect myself. I wash my face with water and I call Johnny and I, you know, I say, Johnny, she didn't make it. And my husband's like, what are you talking about? And, um, I'm crying and I can't talk like I'm incoherent at this point. And Johnny's like, do you need me? What do you want me to do? And he's got all three kids. And I'm like, no, don't come. You know, I don't want the kids to see her. You know, I don't know what's going on. I'm going to go see her now. So I get my stuff. And I walk down the hall with the nurse. She opens the curtain. And there's my mom. My mom laying there it's her you know she looks different she looks yellowish she looks she looks dead and I, I run up to her and then I grab her and I just I just start crying on her chest I'm just holding her and I must have been yelling and I must not have realized it because after it was all said and done somebody that was a patient there grabbed me and he says I'm so sorry and so I must have been yelling for her, but I kept, I kept crying and just saying, mom. So I stayed at the hospital for about three hours, just waiting there beside her, holding her hand, rubbing her arms. In a way, I just kind of was hoping that God would see how much I needed her and send her back to me. I just kept waiting for her to wake up because she couldn't be gone. I need her so much. She couldn't be gone. And so she started getting really cold. Like I could feel the, the coldness come over her. And that's when I decided that I needed to leave. Now, I had to deal with this alone because my husband wasn't there. And I mean, he couldn't have been because he had the kids. But there was this chaplain, this sweet, sweet old man you know, he, uh, he couldn't even walk up straight. He had like hunched over this old man. I felt like I needed to help him. And he came in a couple of minutes after I had saw my mom and my phone was ringing off the hook at this point because my mom had been talking to her sister. She has five, well, she has four sisters. She's the fifth one. 
She'd been talking to one of her sisters on the way to the hospital. She'd been texting her. So my aunt knew that she was on the way to the hospital. And apparently my mom texted my aunt that she wasn't going to make it. Um, so my aunt kind of was aware that she wasn't going to make it. So she, my mom somehow knew um, that she wasn't going to make it. So she texts that to my aunt and my aunt's been calling me and my phone's been ringing off the hook. All the sisters, all four sisters are calling me one after the other and wanting to know what's going on. They're calling the hospital and the nurses are coming in. Hey, I got so-and-so on the line. I got so-and-so on the line. And I'm not talking to anybody at this point because I'm staring at my mom. So this old man, this old chaplain comes in and he was like, honey, I just want you to know that I'm here for you if you need anything. And I fell into his arms. I was like a baby. I just fell into his arms and just started wailing, just started crying. And this old man, he, he almost had to sit down because like he was old feeble man. And, um, he says, is there anything I can do for you? And I says, no, I said, I just, I don't know what to do. And he says, well, he says, I'll just stay with you then. And I says, please, please stay with me. And, uh, I was making phone calls at this point and calling everybody and talking to them and telling them what was happening. And, I didn't really talk to the chaplain very much, but he just stayed there. And he kept saying, I don't want to bother you. And I said, no, just stay. And he just stayed in the room with me and held my hand. This man was my saving grace. And um, finally, as she started getting cold, I looked up at him and I said, I think I need to go. And he says, yeah, I think you do. And he's like, there's nothing you can do at this point. So I get all my stuff. I hug the chaplain and thank him. And I walk out of this hospital and I get in my car and I have to drive home knowing that I'm never going to see my mom again, knowing that I didn't get to say goodbye to her and, and knowing that was it, like that was the end. And, um, it was definitely the hardest thing that I've ever had to go through that I'm still going through on a daily basis. So guys, that's my story. And, um, that's the reason why it's been so, so hard for me to grasp the fact that she's gone because she was such a big part of my life. And I was very angry at God for a long time because I couldn't believe he would take her away from me, knowing how much I needed her, knowing that we had future plans, um, knowing that my kids needed her in, in their life. So I hope y'all get something out of this story and, um, thank you for listening.